Isaac Herzog has said the country faces a constitutional crisis over the new right-wing government's bitterly contested plans for judicial reform. The president said he wanted to encourage a respectful dialogue. The religious nationalist coalition, led by the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, wants to weaken the Supreme Court by enabling Parliament to overrule its decisions with a simple majority. Opponents say the plan would destroy judicial independence. But Mr. Netanyahu insists the changes are necessary. I am certain that after an important and in-depth discussion in the Constitution Committee, we will complete the reform legislation in a way that will fix what needs fixing, will fully protect individual rights, and will restore the public's trust in the justice system, which needs this reform so much. The NATO Secretary General, John Stoltenberg, has promised that Ukraine will soon receive more heavy weaponry from Western countries. Members of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group, which coordinates military supplies, will hold a meeting in Germany next Friday. Raphael Loss, from the European Council on Foreign Relations in Berlin, said the gathering could mark the start of a European defense coalition to support Ukraine against Russia. Poland's president, Andrzej Duda, has said that Poland would be willing to supply roughly a company of German-produced Stepper II battle tanks. And there's a discourse driven by Finnish parliamentarians. Voices from Denmark, Sweden and other European countries are chiming in here as well. And then we have the German political figures that are pushing the debate in Germany. If there is indeed a European coalition emerging, then I think German leadership would well be placed to bring together this coalition. State media says an Egyptian military court has sentenced in absentia a critic of President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi to life imprisonment. Muhammad Ali, who is based in Spain, has been posting videos on social media accusing Sisi and the military elite of corruption. His posts have racked up millions of views and briefly sparked a wave of small-scale protests. That's the news from RTHK. Thanks, Tommy. Good morning, it's Monday the 16th of January and this is James Ross. In the headlines, Japan's bond and currency markets face a choppy week as the BOGJ meets for the final monetary policy meeting tomorrow before a new governor uh, is named. The FT reporting it faces intense pressure to abandon its yield curve control policy. Markets are considering the ramifications of changing policies that have defined Japan's 20-year battle with deflation and made it a global source of cheap funds. Uh, Bloomberg reporting that Apple partners Foxconn and Pegatron will include Southeast Asia in expansion plans for 2023. It's a sign that contract electronics makers will add more production capacity outside China to mitigate geopolitical and economic risks. As well as making iPhones in China, both Foxconn and Pegatron now make iPhones in India. Apple now also manufactures other products, including AirPods in Vietnam. Tesla is, is cutting the price of its electric vehicles by up to 20% in Europe and the US, starting a price war as rivals hit the market. Uh, Tesla has already recently lowered prices twice in China. And according to social media, the second price cut caused disgruntled Tesla owners to swarm showrooms, angry they'd missed that discount. 
A UK asset manager Schroders has received approval from the CSRC to set up a wholly owned mutual fund unit on the mainland as Beijing accelerates the opening up of its financial sector to foreigners to aid an economic recovery. Uh, last month, US asset manager Newberger Berman opened its China retail fund business. And Fidelity also got a mutual fund license. Uh, China has surpassed Germany to become the world's second largest car exporter after mainland exports jumped 54% year on year to 3.1 million vehicles in 2022, according to the China Association of Automobile Manufacturers. According to auto industry data provider Mark Lyons, Japanese car makers are still just ahead, shipping 3.2 million vehicles abroad in the first 11 months of 2022. Germany's Olaf Scholz is the only G7 leader attending the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, when it kicks off later today. But it will still be packed with high-profile names from business, politics, media and academia. A slowing world economy, deglobalization and the war in Ukraine are set to dominate conversations as the world's biggest stakeholders address the global outlook. Uh, speakers include South African President Cyril Ramaphosa. World Health Organization Director uh, Director General Tedros uh, Ghebreyesus, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, and also the actor Idris Elba. And we heard last week the cost of sending a shipping container from Asia to the U.S. has tumbled more than 80% from its September peak above 20,000 U.S. dollars for a 40-foot container. That according to freight booking platform Freightos. Big carriers like MSC and Maersk are also expecting delivery of many new ships, which may also affect rates as carriers already have more ships than they need to handle falling demand. Uh, finally, news from Japan. And starting in March, train passengers will be able to pass through ticket gates at Osaka Station using facial recognition. A camera on the gate will read the user's face, matching it with a pre-registered photo. There will be no barrier, so passengers can walk through at the same speed as current ticket gate machines. Well, we'll be joined on Money Talk today by Alex Wong, Director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management. Company and Tim Huxley, Chairman of Mandarin Shipping. Later, we'll take a view from the mainland with Yanan Wu, Chairman of Zenrong Bao. And don't forget, if you have any questions for our guests, you can email us at moneytalk at rthk.hk. Text us on 63935925. Our Facebook page is Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And on Twitter, we're at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK. Let's have a quick catch-up on the market, starting on Wall Street, where stocks finished on Friday a strong week in positive territory, uh, shaking off early weakness and pushing higher amid a turnaround in banking shares. Uh, major indices opened the day lower following results from JP Morgan Chase and other large banks that signalled expectations were for a mild recession this year. All four large banks that reported results uh, finished in positive territory, though. JP Morgan up 2.5%, Citigroup 1.7%, Bank of America 2.2%, and Wells Fargo up 3.3%. Uh, the S&P 500 finished at 3,999, up 0.4%, gaining 2.7% on the week. Uh, the Dow up 0.3% to 34,302, the Nasdaq jumping 0.7% to 11,079. Netflix results on Thursday will be closely watched, serving as a sign of things to come for the tech sector's results, which are set to begin in earnest next week. Uh, European shares closing 
on Friday near a nine-month high, uh, supported by healthcare and banking stocks and upbeat economic data from the UK. The stock 600 gaining half a percent to 452.54. The FTSE 100 adding 0.6% to 7,844 after data showing the British economy eked out 0.1% growth in November, uh, reducing the chance that it has already slipped into recession. Uh, The CAC 40 increased 0.7% to 7,023 and the DAX rising 0.2% to 15,086. Hong Kong stocks ended another strong week on a positive note on Friday. Uh, Traders welcoming data showing U.S. inflation slowing further in December and raising hopes that the Fed would ease its monetary tightening drive. The Hang Seng Index rising 1% to close at 21,738. The Shanghai Composite up 1% to 3,195. The Shenzhen Composite climbing 0.9% to 2,067. Japanese stocks closing lower on Friday as losses in the textile, construction and railway sectors led shares down. The Nikkei 225 down 1.25% at 26,190. To commodities, Brent crude currently stands at $85.28 a barrel, up 1.5%. Copper up 0.5% at $421.60 a pound. Spot gold currently standing at $1,920.23 an ounce. In the bond market, the US 10-year bond currently showing a yield of 3.5%. And in currencies, the euro buying a dollar and eight cents, uh, the US dollar standing at 127.81 Japanese yen, uh, the pound buying 9.54 Hong Kong dollars, the yuan standing at 6.7 against the US dollar, uh, Bitcoin currently at 20,868 US dollars. And just looking at the ASX uh, 200, uh, currently up 0.7% at 52,000 and, uh, sorry, uh, uh, currently up uh, uh, seven tenths of one percent at seven thousand three hundred and eighty. Let's say a very good morning to our guests on Money Talk this morning. First of all, Alex Wong, uh, Director at Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management uh, Company. Good morning, Alex. Hey, morning. Uh, as, as normal, thanks to have, uh, good to have you on the show on a Monday morning. And also, uh, let's say welcome to Tim Huxley, uh, Chairman of Mandarin Shipping, who joins us this morning. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, James. Uh, yes, good to see you both. And uh, let's start with a sort of general um, outlook. Uh, it is the World Economic Forum in Davos starting later today. Day. Uh, how are we feeling generally about the, the economic outlook for 2023 uh, ahead of that event? Uh, Alex, do you want to kick us off? Uh, of course, I think uh, people uh, would face uh, two, two kind of stories right now. Uh, first of all, China is reopening. So that probably would help a little bit of the global economy. But then on the other hand, I think uh, people are expecting a mild resection, at least uh, in the US. So probably we are facing two forces uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, is, it, is it surprising that we're only facing now this mild recession, as they put it, uh, given what's happened over the last year or so? Yeah, uh, because the rate actually has been uh, increased so much, uh, so people probably would be expecting a much stronger recession. But I think the point is that we have a very resilient global uh, labor market. So I think that, that helped a little bit, uh, actually, on the expectations of the economy. 
Tim, what's your view of uh, the economies around the world going forward? Well, I mean, it's a mixed start to the year, and the first quarter is always uh, quite difficult. I mean, it's looking at shipping specifically, because uh, you've got some of the... Uh, major things like, I mean, for instance, China will only get going after Chinese New Year. But I think that there's a lot of positive sentiment about the fact that China is reopening. Uh, and we're really hoping that, that will give quite a boost. A lot of talk last week about the recession not being as deep as was expected. So I concur with Alex uh, that uh, you know, we're probably going to have it's 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 not going to be a stunning year, uh, but it's certainly not going to be as bad as we were fearing towards the end of last year. Alex, uh, China opening up does seem to get uh, better and better, and it does seem that uh, perhaps um, the uh, GDP growth this year is going to be quite a lot better than expected. Are you feeling optimistic uh, about that? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, right now uh, uh, people are feeling that uh, China infection rate is quite high and, and the infection actually is very, very speedy. So I think that is actually positive news because uh, that probably would change people's behavior. They would not be too scared about the virus. So I think... Uh, that means that uh, the um, economic activities actually will return to normal, actually, as, as sooner than expected, uh, even better than before, I think. Mm. Uh, Tim, shipping affected, of course, uh, a lot by uh, what China does. Um, how, how are you seeing specifically the China effect in the shipping, in the shipping industry? Well... As it reopens, then we really do hope that there will be an upturn, particularly the import of raw materials. Uh, things are iron ore and coal. Uh, I mean, iron ore China has been the driving force, and it really slipped last year as there was a slowdown in manufacturing. Uh, so if that comes back and there's more iron ore being exported from places like Brazil and Australia, then that will really boost shipping rates in the bulk carrier sector. And it's, that's where it's going to impact first. Uh, when China's manufacturing gets going and if the stimulus package that's been promised really does come through, then you'll see a lot more imports of raw materials. So that will happen in the bulk carrier sector. When you mentioned earlier about the decline in container chartering rates, mm. now that is very much impacted by exports from China. So we're going to need the a recession in the West to be shallow and more exports going overseas. You've also got, and you also mentioned about the relocation of manufacturing outside of China. And now if that goes to places like Southeast Asia, and we talked about the tech companies opening in Vietnam, and then you've got the world's largest toy manufacturer like Lego building their mega factory in Vietnam, that would all impact shipping, uh, particularly the smaller sizes, uh, as there is more demand in those countries. So you can actually paint quite a positive picture. And then, but shipping always is influenced by the supply of ships. Now, in container shipping, you've got maybe a decline in global trade of 3% this year, but an increase in the supply of ships by about 8%. So that doesn't look good. And that's why those quite stark figures about the decline could ring true. But in bulk carriers, you've got a much smaller fleet growth, and you've got a lot of ships ageing, and you've got the whole decarbonisation issue. So once we get over this first few months of waiting for China to get back, the weather delays you get in Australia and Brazil this time of year, then you might actually see a beginning of a positive upturn in the bulk carrier markets. And you see that with positive outlook. I mean, you know, Hong Kong's leading... Uh, bulk carrier owner Pacific Basin, they bought six ships last week. So there's a positive outcome there.
I guess from, as a consumer, uh, we're always looking at uh, in Hong Kong at the cost of uh, bringing things in, the, the shipping, the distribution. We're always told that uh, you know food costs are, are expensive. Uh, from a consumer's perspective, are we going to see it as as a good year that uh, you know is going to be reflected perhaps in prices being not quite so high? Uh, will there be a decline in prices on account of decline in transport costs? Probably unlikely, but do bear in mind that until we had the first significant upturn in container shipping rates over the last couple of years, when the ship owners have been carrying all your goods pretty much for free for a decade, so it was probably about time they actually were able to get some sort of return. It's payback time, is it? It, it was, <laughs> but it's tailing off a bit now. Alex, you know, we've heard a bit about this um, sort of uh, spread of manufacturing into Southeast Asia. How is that going to affect uh, China and, the, and the, the general outlook? Do you think that's going to have a big, uh, a big effect? Well, I think there is a threat, uh, uh, but that would... Uh, be um, compensated by the uh, China subsidize or, or the, the China China boost on the consumer local consumer market because China actually has a huge population and 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 the the local market actually is quite important. So I think uh, China probably would uh, would be shifting their focus on on those things. Uh, and but on the other hand, I think uh, China actually. Um, has uh, some um, in, improvement in its uh, brand awareness and, and competitiveness in the world. Like you said, uh, China cars actually are now uh, quite popular in the world and, and just overtook, uh, uh, overtaken uh, Germany as the second uh, exporter. So, so I think um, China would rely more on its uh, own market and also rely more on its own brand. It's the World Economic Forum kicking off today. Um, do, do we think that there's going to be anything that's uh, important coming out of the World Economic Forum? What, what, what do we in the industry think of uh, these Davos get-togethers? Are they important, uh, Alex, at all? Uh, I think uh, the market actually would be, would be more um, concerned about the BOJ uh, this week. Because uh, right now, um, uh, we we probably would be look look at the reactions on the U.S. bond market, at uh, best especially uh, on Friday. Actually, that is encouraging because we have a very strong surge in yen, and uh, we do not see a very uh, sharp show off in the U.S. bond market. So that probably is is a is a improvement in sentiment. But I think that this week the the crucial thing would be on BOJ stands uh, and and probably whether there would be some spiral effect on other markets. Uh, for the for the forum, I think uh, people probably may, may not uh, pay too much attention because they, I think, uh, they probably would be still more look at the data. It seems, uh, Tim, that maybe people have got other things to worry about this week uh, in their various uh, economies around the world. Uh, only one G7 leader attending uh, uh, Davos this week. Um, is that the case, do you think? Uh, I, I think that really sums it up. I mean, maybe those sort of talking shops have had their day, uh, and let's get on that. Let's get our sleeves rolled up and get on with the practicalities of overcoming some of the diff difficulties that face economies and the world in general. So, uh, no, I'm not expecting any great pronouncements. I hope everybody has a great time uh, and, you know, I hope there's a bit of snow so they can get some skiing in, but uh, really I'm not expecting anything that's going to change my life coming out of it. Uh, I think there, if, if we're getting down to addressing some of these issues, I mean, in Hong Kong this week you've got a... Uh, uh, an organisation called the Captain's Table Meeting, which is a, an innovation and startups in technology and shipping, uh, which covering things like sustainability, decarbonisation and crew welfare. 
organised by the Young Persons in Shipping Network. I think that's a much more significant event, really helping put Hong Kong on the map uh, in terms of the technology that's needed across all industries to drive things forward. Uh, and, uh, and that's something that we're developing in Hong Kong. And that's, uh, you know, one of the good stories that John Lee wants us to be telling. You'll be, you'll be watching that this week. Alex, anything else you'll be uh, watching uh, apart from the BOJ? Uh, of course, uh, right now uh, it is the uh, earnings seasons in the U.S. and uh, we have uh, the banking to banking stocks to kick off. And the initial reaction actually was bad, but uh, the subsequent recovery actually is quite encouraging. And and I think Netflix actually would be quite key. Netflix has been strong right now, and this is uh, the stronger ones among the fan stocks. So probably that would some get, get some uh, feelings uh, about uh, the, the 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 underlying sentiment of the mega tech. Uh, because they have been underperforming the uh, the market for quite some time, and we have a uh, recovery in the bond market that that should help uh, the uh, mega tech sectors. So I think uh, Netflix actually would be quite key to watch uh, this week. Yeah, let's watch it and see whether we can uh, get uh, some gauge of the outlook for uh, tech stocks. Uh, let's say thank you very much to uh, Alex Wong, director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management Company, and Tim Huxley, uh, chairman of Mandarin Shipping. <laughs> It is now 24 minutes past uh, 8 o'clock. This is Money Talk with James Ross, and we're going to take our view from uh, the mainland now, and we're going to be joined by our guest, Yanan Wu, chairman of Zen Rongbao. Uh, good morning, Yanan. Good morning, James. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to have you on the show. Um, December's uh, PMI was the lowest in three years in the mainland, especially for manufacturing. How are you feeling about the uh, the current economic uh, status uh, across the country? Is the path uh, to recovery positive for the year ahead? Well, if you look at the PMI numbers uh, uh, in 2022, it's really, uh, uh, you know, still in the very struggling path. Uh, the, especially, as you mentioned, the manufacturing PMI, uh, December was uh, 47%, and that's the lowest uh, since 2020, uh, March. So it's 34 months low. So that indicates all the manufacturing activity still in a contraction trend. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, uh, is especially considering the COVID restrict policy at uh, the whole year in 2022. So a uh, lot of manufacturing activity still in the, was in a really a passive mode. Uh, and also the number of the non-manufacturing the service uh, PMI has been six months downward trend. And that's uh, also uh, dropped to 41.6%, and that's, uh, again, uh, three years low. So the, all the consumption side, uh, especially uh, the uh, retails and uh, transportation and, uh, you know, all the food and beverage, it's really on the contraction mode as well. So all these, uh, num- uh, you know, activities shows uh, the COVID policy uh, really affect the economic a lot, and uh, that's uh, why the end at the end of December, you know, Beijing, uh, Shanghai, and Shenzhen, the uh, the super mega city, slowly uh, getting back to relax the COVID and uh, the. What's the situation now? What do you what What do you feel it's like? You know, is that um, on the street? Uh, are people feeling positive at the moment? 
Yeah, if you, uh, it's really, I think, start, if you look at the congestion, congestion, you know, traffic jack, uh, congestion, uh, uh, in the new year, is really, as uh, the activity picks up, uh, the uh, road in Beijing uh, start to see the congestion, uh, traffic jam, you know, in some, uh, many major roads, especially on peak hours. So I think really, if you look at uh, uh, the so-called congestion index, of 99 cities in in mainland China, uh, that uh, touches the bottom uh, bottom in the December at the end of December, and uh, start with Beijing. Beijing's uh, picked uh, the congestion index uh, was the lowest on December 13th, and then since then, uh, the congestion index slowly picks up, and that's uh, also coincident with the opening up of uh, Beijing uh, to the you know. The, we we don't need to get uh, the PCR test anymore, uh, basically. Mm. And uh, you know, all, all my office uh, staff, uh, 200 staff, now back to in full force. Uh, if you consider early December, uh, our ho- office building still requires a minimum for five percent, five percent back work rate. And now everybody has a little bit coughing in the office, but uh, we can still see the full house. In the office. Mm. So, no, t- so I think the yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say you you touched on the domestic consumption earlier on. Um, how is the government planning to boost that domestic consumption to to get things back on track? Yeah, I think that's the really major issue. Uh, if you look at the three the so-called trial cash of the GDP, the exports, of course, is still also on a downward trend. The consumption uh, outside China, you know, especially in U.S., uh, not uh, uh, grow as fast as the the uh, uh, before the uh, Fed rate hike. So there's a little bit concern, you know, the U.S. going to head, head into a recession in 2023 this year. So the export going down. And the, the uh, property market was still cooling down, so that side is, doesn't contribute to GDP, GDP too much. So it really lives up to the, the consumption uh, contribution to GDP in 2023. And that's why the Central Committee... Uh, in December, uh, they really focused on how to uh, push the incentive policy uh, regarding domestic trans- consumption. Uh, people are reluctant to consume now. If you uh, consider the, uh, the so-called additional savings uh, nationwide, it actually was, according to some status, uh, over $5 trillion. Uh, you know, additional savings. So people didn't travel, didn't uh, really consume that much in the last three years. They, they save a lot. So now uh, whether they're willing to use that additional savings to consume is another story because people still feel worried mm. uh, about the additional COVID or other pandemic impact. And some people, you know, still get laid off uh, from the work, and uh, if you consider SME, the lots of restaurants, small restaurants in my city, in Beijing, uh, you know, uh, they closed down because of the long. Mm. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it uh, pans out this year. Um, domestic consumption, obviously, key uh, going forward. Thank you to. Uh, um, yeah. 
Thank you to you for joining us this morning. Yan An Wu, a chairman of uh, Zenrong Bao, and also say thank you very much to uh, Alex Wong, the director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management Company, and Tim Huxley, uh, chairman of Mandarin Shipping. Let's have a quick look at the markets before we go. Uh, currently, the Nikkei 225 is down 1.1% at 25,821. The S&P ASX 200 is up 0.8% at 7,386. The cost be up 0.25% at 2,392. Hang Seng Futures are looking to an open up about four tenths of one percent. Just before we go, the weather mainly cloudy and dry, cold this morning, uh, sunny intervals during the day with a maximum temperature of around 15 degrees, moderate to fresh northerly winds, strong offshore and on high ground. Uh, the red fire danger warning is in force, as is the cold weather warning, the strong monsoon signal as well. Uh, 12 degrees Celsius right now, 68% relative humidity. Uh, this is James Ross uh, with Money Talk. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. In a few moments, it's Back Chat uh, with Jim Gould uh, and Mike Rouse. Now it's 8.30 and the news headlines with Tommy. An economics professor says the mainland border reopening should push the retail sector up by 50% over the coming year. High-speed trains to the mainland resumed yesterday after a three-year break, while land border crossings reopened with a quota from January the 8th. Hong Kong-based Kevin Joy from Clemson University in South Carolina agreed with retailers that it would take some time for the sector to fully recover. For the whole year, I think uh, that's going to help at least more than 50%. I mean, because if you think about airline industry, I think there's a good benchmark. The airline industry, they claim that uh, within a year, they can get something like 70% of the uh, capacity resumed. So from that perspective, the retail sector can do a little bit better. Nepal has declared a day of mourning for the victims of a plane crash that is thought to have killed more than 70 people. The flight plummeted to the ground yesterday morning as it approached the tourist town of Pokhara. Bikram Pandey Kaji is from Nepal Aviation, which provides services to all airlines in the country. This pilot is one of the most experienced and well-respected pilot of Nepal. The way everybody has seen today's crash was just unthinkable because it was the third flight. It was on the third time he was trying to take a big turn from the old airport toward the new direction where he had to take a big turnaround. So it must have been because of the wind. The Israeli president, Isaac Herzog, has said the country faces a constitutional crisis over the new right-wing government's bitterly contested plans for judicial reform. The president said he wanted to encourage a respectful dialogue. The religious nationalist coalition, led by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, wants to weaken the Supreme Court by enabling Parliament to overrule its decisions with a simple majority. Opponents say the plan would destroy judicial independence. But Mr. Netanyahu insists the changes are necessary. I am certain that after an important and in-depth discussion in the Constitution Committee, we will complete the reform legislation in a way that will fix what needs fixing, will fully protect individual rights, and will restore the public's trust in the justice system, which needs this reform so much. The NATO Secretary-General Jans Stoltenberg has promised that Ukraine will soon receive more heavy weaponry from Western countries. Members of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group, which coordinates military supplies, will hold a meeting in Germany next Friday. Raphael Loss from the European Council on Foreign Relations in Berlin said the gathering could mark the start of a European defense coalition to support Ukraine against Russia.
Poland's president, Andrzej Duda, has said that Poland would be willing to supply roughly a company of German Blue Stepper II battle tanks. And there's a discourse driven by Finnish parliamentarians. Voices from Denmark, Sweden, and other European countries are chiming in here as well. And then we have the German political figures that are pushing the debate in Germany. If there is indeed a European coalition emerging, then I think German leadership would well be placed to bring together this coalition. Joe Biden has become the first U.S. sitting president to deliver a Sunday sermon at Martin Luther King Jr.'s church in Atlanta. The speech marked the national holiday that celebrates the civil rights activist's life and legacy. Mr. Biden told the congregation there was still a lot of work to be done on economic justice and voting rights. He spoke of the need to redeem the soul of America. So often when people hear about Dr. King, people think of his ministry and the movement. We're most about the epi- 